Casinos in Space by Howard Berenbaum. Copyright 2019 by Howard Berenbaum slash CyberTimes LLC. All rights reserved. Chapter 13. Landing. Martin Landry was on the run. He escaped capture after the Las Vegas docked in the orbiting station above Vega 1. His disguise worked and he easily slipped into the passenger shuttle bay with Barry Cohen, Mark Simonson, and their wives. Once they landed, he threaded his way into the tram for a ride to the Luxor on the boardwalk. It was a brilliant escape, he thought proudly. He escaped capture for damaging the engines and disrupting the artificial gravity as well as planting mosquito larvae on the lower level of the Las Vegas. He did pay the price for injuries sustained when a mosquito stabbed him in one leg when he befriended Barry Cohen and Mark Simonson in their search for their missing colleague, Paul Erickson. But, despite his hate for gambling, he was compelled to help find Paul Erickson so he could learn his secrets of winning. His hate stemmed from an abusive father with a gambling addiction who arrived home from hours at the casinos only to beat his mother for not having dinner ready. Visions of his father screaming and his mother crying haunted him into adulthood. When the tram entered the boardwalk complex, Martin let go of his past and concentrated on his goal, which was to find Paul Erickson and learn to beat the casinos. He hoped somehow Paul slipped off the Las Vegas the same way he did, and he'll find him winning again at a roulette table with fellow gamblers watching him take the people's money back from the casino moguls. After, after scouring all the boardwalk casinos, Paul Erickson was not to be found, and Martin was disappointed and confused. He imagined the authorities on the Las Vegas figured he was responsible for the disruption, and knew he had disembarked to the planet, and were now actively searching, so he had to disappear, and he did. In the cover of darkness, he walked along the vegan shore and then into the woods and down a trail to nowhere. Now exhausted, he sat down on a fallen tree trunk and moments later, he was asleep. He dreamt he was attacked by a large ant and was running for his life through a narrow passageway in a dark, damp, cave. He was safe for the moment because the giant ant was a tiny speck in the distance behind him. He was proud he had outrun the beast. The passageway narrowed slightly then branched in two directions. He turned right, stopping momentarily, to check his pursuer, but the bug was nowhere in sight. Relieved, he ran a few more feet and then slowed to a fast walk, feeling somewhat safe. As he walked, he thought of his purpose, to find Paul Erickson. He was thinking clearer now and began to walk until he found a sign pointing to a winding staircase with the words, Casino, one level up. He started up the stairs and entered into a bustling Las Vegas-style casino crowded with chiming slot machines and gambling tables occupied by hundreds of people winning, losing, and conversing. Cigarette and cigar smoke polluted the air, and Martin coughed. He moved through the crowd on a red velvet carpet and then spotted Paul Erickson across the room seated at a blackjack table. He had found Paul, he proclaimed to himself gleefully, and sat at the empty seat beside him. Martin then placed his bet and the dealer starting flinging cards to the players one by one. He was immediately surprised and happy to see he had an ace and a ten, a blackjack, and almost a guaranteed win, unless the dealer had one too. The dealer had to stand on seventeen, and Martin was paid for his winning hand. 
It was customary to tip your dealer if you win, and he said, thanks, and handed him a $5 bill. The de dealer said, thank you, partner, now place your bets. The cards flew around again, and this time Martin had two sevens. He turned to Paul and said, what do you think I should do, Dr. Erickson? The dream version of Paul turned to Martin and said, don't split sevens. Just take another card. Thank you, Dr. Erickson. And he scratched his right index finger on the felt, and the dealer shot one card his way, which was a seven. Thank you again, Dr. Erickson. You are my lucky charm. You are very welcome, the dream Paul replied. Just follow my stead with my friend, Slim, here, so we can clean up at these casinos. I'm happy to help, Slim replied from the dealer's seat. Please hit me, Slim, Paul said. I sure will, Polly. A card flew his way. Thanks, I now have 21, Paul said. I'll take my payoff in gold, sir. Then some shiny gold coins appeared on the table. Place your bets again, buddies. Martin moved three, five-dollar chips into the betting circle, and the cards flew around the table again. This time, both Paul and Martin were dealt blackjacks. Martin stood up and handed the dealer a $10 tip, but was shocked to see the dealer's head connected to the black body of a giant ant. Startled, he grabbed his stack of winning chips and started to leave, but the dealer extended his hand. Where are you going my friend? If want to make some money, then have a seat. Martin desperately wanted to make some money, and reluctantly sat down. Now, place your bets, boys. The cards flew again, but this time every player had an ace and a queen showing. You hit your jackpot buddies so enjoy your winnings. Then $100 chips started falling from above. He woke up swatting the chips from his hair, and then realized it was all a dream and the chips were just fallen leaves. leaves. Disappointed, he stood up on the path and continued walking into the woods. At one point he thought of turning back to search for the missing Paul but was afraid he would be found and had to run and hide until they forgot about him. He wasn't prepared to be alone roaming on an alien planet far from home, but here he was. He would go back eventually to find Paul Erickson and make him into his casino slave. He was relieved for now because he had a purpose and couldn't let anything stop him, human or bug. Martin was now miles away from the boardwalk and the casinos he loved to hate, heading up and down a winding path that revealed orange hills in the distance. So far he had successfully eluded the authorities, but his escape had one fatal error. What would he do on a distant planet far from home, and alone? He must go back to the boardwalk and face his fate, but the thought quickly passed because he was on a mission, a mission to find Paul Erickson at whatever risk. He concentrated on the orange mountains in the distance and walked on. Maybe he'd meet the inhabitants and help them destroy the casinos. That was it. He had his purpose, and his direction was clear. At each turn along the path, he would pause and turn around to make sure he wasn't being followed, but to his surprise, no one was there. When he reached the lake at the base of a hill, he realized he needed to rest and stop and think. Maybe he should go back to the boardwalk and destroy a casino or two. Then he sat on the ground in front of the lake suddenly feeling ill and sad, and lonely. 
Maybe he would go back later and become a hero for his cause, but for now he needed to rest and sat down on a boulder in the path and immediately fell into a restless sleep. Martin awoke to the sounds of thunder and lightning. He was drenched and dripping wet feeling stiff and depressed, with only vague memories of another dream. Sounds of thunder clapped in the distance. Then he remembered he was happily winning at Blackjack while seated next to the missing Paul Erickson. For the moment he was relieved that he had found Paul, but then he realized it was all a dream, and was depressed and disappointed. Paul was still missing, and he had to find him. A flash of lightning struck nearby, illuminating the night sky, and then thunder rumbled once more. Rain started pouring down again. Now wet, and frightened, he ran from the lakeshore to a rock formation that led to a cave entrance, and cautiously entered. Lightning flashed and this time the thunder rumbled and rattled through the opening. He immediately sat on the ground shaken and dripping. He hated thunderstorms, and worried he would be cut in half by one of those jagged light beams of electricity from the clouds. It was a childhood fear he could not shake. Maybe it was his mother's fault because at the age of five, he was put out in the rain as punishment. He was forced to huddle on the steps of their apartment building watching the light knives stabbing at the street and sidewalk while the drops of rain crashed to the pavement. One bolt almost sliced him, but with a cry, he jumped out of the way in time and then banged on the door to get in, but was ignored. He remembered calling out his mother's name saying, I promise to be good. He saw her peering through the window from above, but she did not open the door. So, he rolled his small body into a ball on the steps and cried and cried until his dad came home from work and let him inside. He hated his mom for that. Martin brushed his boyhood sadness aside and concentrated on his shelter from the rain. He had to stop obsessing about the long-gone past and think about the present and his task. His gaze around the cave returned just blackness. However, Minutes later his eyes adjusted and he could see a sketchy silhouette of his safe house, slightly illuminated by several pencil-thin gray light rays piercing through cracks in the cave wall. The sound of falling raindrops crashing into puddles near the cave entrance echoed within the cave with varying intensity. Then he noticed a shimmering green glow in the distance that illuminated a rock archway at the back of the cave. Beyond the archway he could see a path littered with large and small rocks until it disappeared into blackness. Thunder rumbled and lightning crackled again, and for a moment, Martin could see the entire cave, but then it was gone. He imagined a scene from the classic movie, Frankenstein, but it was he who was hooked up to the electrodes awaiting a spark of life to ignite and enlighten his existence. Maybe a shock would bring him back to reality and help him continue. Then he remembered walls covered with shiny stones that reflected the light like little twinkling stars in the night, and he walked in that direction. As he neared the archway, the green glow intensified and then he passed under it. Immediately he smelled the dampness in the air and heard the sounds of rushing water. He was exhausted, so he sat down where he stood, now relieved to be safe from the storm and unafraid of the thunder and lightning off in the distance. A moment later he was sound asleep in the dark.